Foundation and Bounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. If you're looking for some motivation to start your running journey or even accomplish the next goal you set for yourself, you don't have to look much further. I'm director of podcast Taylor Camille, and today we're in conversation with long-distance runner Neely Spence-Gracie as she shares her tips for staying consistent, positive, and motivated. From coaching other runners to breaking records, Neely is well aware of what it takes to push yourself to achieve your goals. We hope after listening to our conversation, you feel supported and equipped to accomplish whatever you next set out to do. Here's Neely. Hi, my name is Neely Spence Gracie, and I am a lot of things. Uh, I'm a runner, a coach, a mom of two little boys. Athens is five and Rome is two. I'm a wife, an author, and the head of running for Guava Family, as well as an elite runner for Jambar. So, so many things. And in June of this year, 23, you also added a Guinness World Record Breaker for the fastest mile with a stroller, which is huge. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. And after like injuries and childbirth and all of that, nonetheless. So I really wanted to talk to you about how did you train for that moment? And yeah, well, what did it look like to get to get there? <laughs> totally. So I've been a runner for a long time. I started running when I was 13. Mm-hmm. So that was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, running has met me in so many different phases of my life. Mm-hmm. And I've competed uh, very competitively. And then I've also done like a walk jog approach during pregnancy and postpartum recovery. So my constant is that I just really enjoy the run. I really love to just get out the door. And so in my return to run um, after my second child, Rome, I ran with the stroller a lot. Uh, and that was just my option. I didn't have childcare. And so I would just pop him in the stroller and we would head out the door. <laughs> and about a year ago, I uh, saw that a male broke the, the stroller mile world record. Mm. And I was like, huh, I wonder what the women's record is. So I looked it up and it was very within reach. Uh, and I was like, this is a really fun goal. So I kind of set out to do it and invited Guava family um, to join me. And it just happened that their stroller is called the Rome oh R-O-A-M. And my <laughs> R-O-M-E. So it was Rome in the Rome um, to break the, the world record. Um, we took it from 557 all the way down to 524. So that's the new world record for the stroller mile. That's so cute and so amazing. And it's great to hear you say like the goal was within reach. I think so often when we're setting goals, whether it be running or just lifestyle changes, we kind of have a tendency to set these really lofty goals and they might be harder to attain. So I wondered, you know, how do you go about goal setting and what strategies do you use to ensure that they are 
both motivating and achievable. Totally. You know, that's something as an athlete and a coach that I've dealt with a lot over the years. And I am always someone who likes a goal that's right at my fingertips. Mm-hmm. I really find goals that are huge and many steps away to be overwhelming and intimidating mm-hmm. to me. And so I like to set a goal that I know with work can happen. I know that maybe where I'm at today is not the you know person that is going to achieve the goal, but I know that within a time frame, I can be that person. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I found really important for me with setting goals. So I think it's really helpful to like kind of assess your situation and look at where are you at in your life? What kind of time do you have to commit to this goal? How much time until you have to meet the goal do you have? And is that realistic? And I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to make sure that you set yourself up to have a really fair shot at achieving that goal, or at least, you know, you're in the position on that day to make it happen. And sometimes Mm -hmm. there's factors that play in, right? Like if you're training for a marathon, but it's, you know, you suspect it's going to be 50 degrees and it's 80 degrees, like it's going to be substantially harder and you probably won't be able to meet that A goal that you had set for yourself. So, you know, but if you were in the shape, um, to make that goal happen, like that's something to be really proud of. You you were successful in the journey, just maybe not that final step. So it's important to make sure that you have kind of A, B, and C goals. Mm-hmm. Um, a being like everything goes perfectly. B being like, okay, I would be happy with that. And C, if I'm having a hard day or something doesn't go my way, well, then that's a, that's a good option um, to still be able to feel accomplished and happy with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great breakdown. I think it's almost reminds me of like when you applied to colleges in high school, where it's like reach school, <laughs> closer school. And yeah, that's a great, great framework that we can apply. How do you stay motivated, especially as your body changes and you might have to like get reacclimated with your body and maybe the things that used to work aren't working? Yeah. You know, like I mentioned before, I really love running. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it's not hard to be motivated to do something that I enjoy um, Mm -hmm. because I meet myself where I'm at with it. I trained professionally for five years before I got pregnant with our first child. And that transition from a professional athlete to I'm pregnant, that's the main focus right now. Um, My body wasn't really happy running. And so I ended up taking six months off from running Mm -hmm. during my pregnancy and recovery period with uh, Athens. And then I started back and I like walked jogged uh every other day for a couple weeks and then slowly worked up to being able to run like three or four miles at a time um and it was just a totally different approach to running when I was a professional athlete I was running 100 miles a week and here I was maybe running you know 10 15 yeah miles a week. yeah <laughs> so, um For me, it was just like, I love the routine of it. So I love waking up, having coffee, having my breakfast, um, heading out the door, 
getting in a couple miles, whatever that looks like on the day, and then starting my day and being able to accomplish all the other things that are on my list. And that's just kind of my routine. Um, And so I thrive in routine. And so I'm motivated to keep the routine. Yeah. Yeah. That it's like speaks to me because I'm like, yeah, you're giving yourself grace and you're adapting for like what you need and what you can do rather than just being like, okay, I fully can't do it. Um, I I do want to keep this. Yeah. I think that's, that's so key is like throughout your life, um, you know, focusing on what you can do and what is possible instead of what you can't do and what's not possible at that moment and recognizing it's going to change and it's going to fluctuate. It's going to be not stagnant. And mm-hmm. so that's just kind of life. It's very dynamic and shifting and it's just kind of, all right, where am I at today? Um, where am I at this week? And what can I accomplish? What can I get in? And, you know, being proud of yourself along the way, I found to be really important, especially in my postpartum recovery. I literally like cleared my watch from like every activity I've ever done. So then whenever I started back to running, it was like fastest mile ever, longest run ever. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I'm getting (laughs) positive feedback. So it's really important to like make sure that you stay positive in in the journey. Um, And, you know, I've been able to have two kids with a pandemic in the middle. So I took five years off from competitive running. Um, and I'm now getting back into competitive training. Um, and I qualified for my fourth Olympic trials, um, last December running a personal best in the marathon. Um, and that was after two kids and it was just like, you know, I, I want to show that like, this is possible and you can take time off. You can take years off. And then you can work back into it and your goals can be there for you. Yep, absolutely. I love that. Speaking of competitive running, I kind of wanted to touch on, seems like you handle pressure really well, but how do you handle the pressure? Or how do you even coach other people in handling the pressure of meeting the expectations that come with competitive running? And like you said, remaining positive and having like a healthy perspective when it comes to your performance and your progress and not being so hard on ourselves. Yeah, Oh, well, that's a hard one. And I'm sure it's different (laughs) for everyone (laughs) on their pressures. Um, But for me, you know, I started running, I was a four time Pennsylvania state champion in high school. And I went on to be an eight time NCAA champion in college. And so I had experience with pressure at a really young age mm-hmm. and I didn't always handle it well. Um, I remember my freshman year of college just being broken at the end of the year um, after three competitive seasons with cross country, indoor track and outdoor track. Um, I was just so tired and like so stressed from having all of that pressure Um to compete well and to support my team. And we were highly competitive and it was super fun, but it was also a lot and it was very draining. So I felt making sure that I took breaks uh, in between my seasons was really important. Um, Making sure that I didn't over race. um, I would kind of pick a couple really key events and then have the like 
focus my energy on those. Um, because, you know, putting a lot of emotional energy into competition, uh, is exciting. Um, but it's also really draining. Um, so I found that that was something that I, I had to kind of pick and choose a couple races a year that I really focused on. And then the rest of them, I would kind of like train through, um, or not put a ton of emphasis on. Mm-hmm. And then I would say that in terms of, you know, now I'm in a totally different phase of my career. Um, when it comes to running, I kind of view running for me as like a passion mm-hmm. a hobby that I'm like good at. Um, but it's not yeah. all consuming. Um, you know, when I was an elite, you know, a professional athlete, like that was my job. I was getting paid to run. And that has its pros and cons for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, if you have a bad race, like you're not going to be able to pay your rent or whatever. Um, But, you know, it's very nice now that um, I've had my kids and I have a job and running is like just one of the many hats that I wear, one of the many things that I do. Um, And so that's been a really nice change for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I still want to be competitive. I still have big goals for myself. Um, I'd love to get back to like sponsorship level and all of that. But I think that my perspective is so much stronger um, and better and less about the performance and so much more about I've built this platform because of my performances. And now I can share it with a lot of other people um, and I can hopefully inspire and motivate and support other mother runners out there. Um, and that's really like my main focus at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on another podcast, I think it was even before the pandemic, you were asked about the balancing act of it all between being a runner, coach, mother, all the things. And you, I think you so simply put it, like, I don't balance it, which I love. And I I wondered, like, when do you feel right now, kind of, I guess, in your most state of flow and like satisfied with the attention you're able to give all the things, even if it might not be equal across all the things. But yeah, when do you feel like most in your flow? Yeah, I love that, like sports psychology slipping in here with the flow. (laughs) Um, Yes. So, you know, for me, I have found that I can't just put all my eggs in one basket. I can't just focus on one thing. Um, That's not how I'm successful in that area. That causes me a lot of stress and anxiety. So for me, I tend to like to be a little bit more well-rounded. I wouldn't call it balanced um, because, you know, not each thing holds equal weight. And it kind of just depends on like how my day is shaking out. Um, but ultimately, like I'm a mom. That's my main priority during the day. That's my main pri- priority during the night. That doesn't really change. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the other stuff kind of shifts around, right? So like in the morning, that's my training time. And that's when I'm going to focus on like me and my personal development as an athlete. Um, then I get back from that and I kind of shift into coach mode. And that's when I'm working. I'm taking care of my athletes. I'm prepping, um, you know, their workouts and their training. And then, you know, I'm a business owner, so I'm talking with, um, you know, the the girls that work for me and we are, you know, kind of trying to figure out like what we're going to do next, um, how, 
how we can best, you know, move the business forward. Um, and so we work as a really great team there. And then, you know, I pick up the kids, we have activities and play dates, and I'm a wife and we're cooking dinner and I'm trying to make sure I spend time with my family. So <laughs> it's just, it's important um, to, you know, have the the main goals, um, but then also recognize that like certain days are going to be heavier in other areas um, or lighter. Maybe you don't even touch certain things at all. Um, some days that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've mentioned like all these different things. And I think the other thing that we are kind of highlighting this month is that the support aspect and like the community aspect, which I feel like running often involves a community, um, whether you're training or supporting other runners or whatever it is, and and raising kids, you know, you need support to do that. You're just one person. But how how does the support that you've experienced, whether it be in the running community um, or even just in raising your, are they both boys, two boys? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, raising your boys. Um, How has that um, helped contribute to your motivation and your mindset and yeah. What does community and support look like for you? Yeah, for sure. So we live in Colorado um, and all of our families back on the East Coast. So that's a little challenging because we don't yeah. have the family support um, out here consistently. Um, mm-hmm. My in-laws come out several times a year for a couple weeks at a time um, to help out, especially if I'm going to a race or Dylan is gone traveling for work or something like that. Um, just give us that extra um, layer, um, which has been really helpful. Um, but yeah, we have a great neighborhood. I have a great group of friends, definitely, um, you know, an awesome running community. And I feel really fortunate um, about that. And that, you know, we've been in Colorado for eight years now. So we've been able to develop that support that we have. This morning, I did a longer run and I met one friend for the first 10 miles. Then I met another friend for the next six. And that was like, oh, thank you guys for meeting me and like helping me get through my 16 mile run today. Um, So, you know, that was really cool. But then my husband was able to drop the kids off at school. So I was able to get out earlier so that it wasn't too hot. And, you know, we just have to really communicate and work together. you know, with each other, um, and our busy schedules, um, cause my husband's a financial advisor. And so he has a lot of stuff to do during the day as well. But, you know, one of the nice things is I am able to work from home. And so I have a lot more flexibility with my schedule. Um, and I also really like that I can be really present with the kids. You know, if they need to be home, I'm home with them and like, we can just do that and I'll figure out when I fit my other stuff in later and that's fine. Um, and so that's important for me in this phase of life. Yeah, absolutely. You've dropped a lot of gyms, but I wondered, is there any other mindful or movement tips for busy people or especially people post-injury because you experienced um, a lot of injuries on your journey? So any tips there? Yeah. I mean, recovering post-injury, I think that one of the biggest things that I've found from uh, the host of different uh, setbacks that I've had along the way um, is that you know, it's really key to find people who you trust, um, Mm -hmm. physical therapists, uh, doctors who can really help you and support you, um, and who get to know you and who, you know, you feel like 
has your best interest at heart. And mm-hmm. so that is something that I found to be really critical. Um, and I, uh, wish I would have known earlier, <laughs> um, that, you know, you have to have that established well ahead of the injury, ideally. Um, so that as soon as it happens, you're like, oh, I know who to call. Um, you have your people like on speed dial, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so that's really, uh, a big tip that I have is, you know, if you don't have a good lineup, find them. Um, because, you know, it's just inevitable, like stuff happens all the time. Time, um, whether it's overuse injuries or illnesses that kind of set you back and you need, you know, additional support to recover from, or, uh, you know, weird fluke things. One of my athletes tripped and fell while she was running the other morning. Mm-hmm. And she's all banged up and she has to take like a week off because she bruised some ribs and she has a black eye and Uh, it was awful. And I've had athletes who are just out running and like a tree branch fell down and hit them in the head and they got a concussion. Um, So really random stuff can happen. And it's like, you need to be um, ready to go uh, and have an established uh, source of care for you. Um, So that's a key thing, I think. Um, and then in terms of like the mindset, there's literally a podcast, um, called the injured athletes podcast (laughs) and you can go and just feel like really heard. Um, It helps that you're like not alone, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's a lot of different books out there. Um, you know, I have a book called breakthrough women's running and there's a whole chapter on injuries because (laughs) if you're pursuing a goal, you're probably going to get injured at some point along the way. It's just kind of how it goes. And so hopefully it's a small and, you know, just a couple days and you can get back to it kind of injury. But, you know, I have a whole chapter on that because it's just part of it. Um, And yeah, the mindset really ties into that, Um, you know, really finding things to stay positive about controlling what you can control, not putting energy into the rest. Um, My co-author has another book called Rebound, and that's all about dealing with injuries as an athlete (laughs) as well. Um, So, you know, I think that for me, um, you know, I wish that I would have had uh, some of the knowledge that I have now with the early injuries that I dealt with. Like I missed the 2012 Olympic trials because I was running a race and I stepped uh, funny and broke my foot during a race. And so I was like in a boot for three months. So it's just stuff happens. um, And it's good to have the perspective and have lots of hobbies that you like outside of just one. (laughs) Spread it out. <laughs> Great. And I wondered, are there any affirmations or quotes or things that you use as pieces of inspiration to kind of keep you in your mindset? Yeah. I I'm a big fan of using those mantras to like help you stay really focused and motivated and positive. Um, I especially like to use them during workouts and races. Um, and I find that to be really helpful because your mind can only think of so many things at one time. So if you're letting negativity creep in, you're like, oh, I'm never going to make it to the finish line. It's so far away. I feel terrible. Like that's what you're going to take to heart. Uh, And so if you can push out those negative thoughts and pull in something that you've practiced and rehearsed during other hard times, um, then you're going to be able to be so much stronger. So 
One of my key um, ones for training is trust the process. Um, and that's something that uh, has just been a consistent theme for me and something that my athletes have also noticed over the years. Um, but then during races, sometimes it'll just be like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You got this. You can do it. And one of the key things about mantras is that using you instead of I actually the brain triggers and listens to it better than if you say, I got this, I can do it. Um, because it internalizes it as someone else telling you, and Mm -hmm. it has more power than if you're just telling yourself. So that's a little trick that you can try when you're creating mantras is use you language. Wow. I've never heard that one before, but that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Cause I feel like we also take heed of what other people tell us more than what we tell ourselves from time to time yeah yeah amazing any other advice you would give someone who's just starting out on their running journey in terms of sticking with it and progressing and staying positive yeah I think like anything it's kind of hard when you're first trying something but the biggest thing is consistency and you have to figure out what you can be consistent with so Mm -hmm. if you to running, it's like, okay, maybe like walk running is the best option, or maybe running two miles at a time is the best option. Um, whatever it is and whatever it looks like for you, um, it's just key to do it consistently enough. So they say at least three times a week, you need to do F your fitness goals um, consistently mm-hmm. to see the progress. Because if you go further than three days between each time you try and run, your body has to kind of remember and relearn um, at the beginning. And so it's a lot better to only have one or two days um, in between. So then that way you're kind of locking into that rhythm, that routine, your body knows what to expect. We run every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, or whatever. And then you're like, okay, here we go. We're doing our run. And the body likes that. Um, So it's kind of set and establish a routine. The other thing is having friends to do it with helps so much. So if you can kind of embark on a fitness journey with someone else, um, you're going to be so much more successful because you have the accountability and you're going to have a lot more fun along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Great tips. What is some of your next goals? You, you broke the record. What's next? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I set the stroller record in June. I took yeah. a couple weeks off. Like I mentioned, I, I always, at, at the end of a training cycle, I like to take a couple weeks totally off, no running. And then I started working back um, into that consistent running again. And I am now in my buildup for the Olympic trials, which are in February uh, in Orlando. Um, so that's kind of my next big goal. And I'm going to race a couple times between now and then. And then after that, I have no idea, um, we'll figure <laughs> out that, but I, I'm just taking it kind of one season at a time right now. And I'm really excited about this opportunity to run my fifth marathon. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Neely Spence Gracie. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille and edited and mastered by our friends at Edit Audio. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt Domenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.